0: Starring Bila Day in... But Ma! That's my favorite movie! Oh, well alright. But don't you spend too much time in front of that TV. Do you hear me? Yes, Ma. Hello everybody! How are you doing today? I hope today is treating you well. Welcome to my podcast but ma, that's my favorite movie, and I am your host B leday now, if you are new to this podcast, let me tell you how it works. I grew up in the blockbuster era where it was fun to go and rent movies so. I'm excited to share with you the many movies I've seen when I was younger. Now, whether you're hearing about a movie for the first time or going down memory lane, my job is to bring you two movies that fit into a different theme each episode. You should also know that there will be multiple parts to majority of the themes. Now, even though the movies I discussed will more than likely be older, when I tell you the summary, I don't spoil the ending in case... You have not heard of it, and let's say after hearing about it, you actually want to watch it. So, you are in for a treat today, which I hope will keep you coming back for more. Today's episode is titled, But Ma, That's My Favorite Space Movie. Now before we get into the theme, let's do some house cleaning first. I want to let you know about my social media and the website. I am available on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, so please follow any of the pages where you will get a sneak peek about upcoming episodes, which I do with a game called Guess the Theme Slash Movies. My website is Ma, that's my favorite movie.com, where you're able to write reviews on there, give movie or theme suggestions, and more. All of the handles to the social media and link to the website are in the show notes slash description box below. Now, make sure if you're loving the episodes to go ahead and give us a review on the Apple app or on the website. When I say the Apple app, it's the Apple podcast app. And um, if you go ahead and give me a review, then I'll shout you out on one of my episodes. Now, let's get into the theme. We are basically going to be traveling to space for this episode and we're going to be diving into movies that focus on astronauts and them experiencing what it was like going to space. Uh, We have one movie that is set in space and then we have another movie, which is the after effects of going to space. So very interesting concepts. I have always been super fascinated with space. Like, I don't know what it is, but when there's documentaries about space or when they make movies about it, I'm always really into watching them. Now, mind you, I've never really been a huge, like, science fan or, like, in school really care for science. But So I have been more into astronomy, but I'm always interested to, you know, look at astronauts and their life and, you know, when they bring up things about NASA. I've just always been really interested in that. So I thought it was super appropriate to do an episode where I talk about some space movies. And of course, there's plenty of space movies out there. So this will definitely be a theme that will have multiple parts. All right. So let's go ahead and get into it. All right. Let's get into the first movie we have here. Light, Camera, Action. Clear skies with a chance of satellite debris. That quote is by Ryan Stone, who's played by Sandra Bullock. And this is the second movie that we're talking about with her in it. And this movie is titled Gravity. It was released August 13th of 2013. The writer and director is... Alfonso Carrion and he also um, directed Children of Men in Roma and it looks like possibly another family member I don't know if this is his brother but um, one of the other writers is Jonas Carrion and he wrote Year of the Nail and De Cerrito all right now I actually saw this movie in theaters and I remember the experience very very vividly I remember almost feeling like I was in space with them. It was such a unique experience because when you think about space, they break it up and they give you scenes and conversations and stuff on earth where you feel grounded, right? But in this movie, literally it's in space the whole time. And we literally know in space that there is no gravity. You're pretty much floating the whole time. I mean, I can't even imagine what that feels like, but you don't feel grounded. You constantly feel like you're in the air and space is so huge. There's so many parts of it that are unknown and it almost looks like all of the same thing. It's really dark and... I don't I believe they have a message in there. It says something about sound. I don't think it carries actually in space. But it's just the thought of almost almost being in like a dark hole, a dark pit. And that's all you see around you other than like the stars in the sky or like Earth, where it looks lit up. But for the most part, you know, you don't have no sense of grounding in space. You can't just step on the floor and be good you know it's constantly like you're you're a lightweight and and you're just maneuvering and floating in this what I guess would sort of feel like the sky but you know it's space and so I just remember really being taken back by that and just feeling like how they felt like I just I didn't feel like I don't know it was was such a unique experience like it was really hard to describe but I just felt everything that they went through. And oh, this movie is very intense, very, very intense and scary because, you know, in space, like on Earth, you know, we can fall to the ground or we can grab a tree or shoot, we could fall on a bush or trip over rocks or, you know, there's something that we can hold on to. But in space, if you're not attached to something, you can literally just float away into space. And, not have anything to hold on to, grab to, it's crazy. So this movie, in my opinion, is a really, really good space movie, and it's just like a different take on the experience of being up there. So, all right, let's get into the summary. So, Rhinestone is on her first mission. Okay, and actually, she's Doctor Rhinestone, and she is currently installing the scanner system. Onto the satellite, and they've actually been in space for a week now, but they've been having issues with trying to install the system. So, we're taking place where it's been a week, and she's currently still working on it. Matt is the commander of the team, and so this team consists of Sharif and Dr. Stone. And what Matt is doing is he's monitoring the team by doing like this spacewalk on like this little jetpack, which is really cool. So he doesn't have to be tethered to anything. He can control where he goes with this jetpack, which is really cool. And um, while Stone is focusing on trying to install the board so that it can, you know, give the data to NASA, um, Sharif is actually replacing a battery. So at one point, Matt goes to help uh, Dr. Stone remove one of the panels so they can, you know, do what they need to to try to install the system. And of course, they're constantly communicating with mission control and everything seems like it's going really smooth. I mean, other than the fact with the issues of the installing of the board that Dr. Stone is doing, everything else is going smoothly. I'm sure Reef was replacing a battery, which he was able to do. That went smooth. Uh, Commander Matt, you know, he's just kind of doing his own thing, making sure everything's going right. And then, of course, they're communicating with mission control and mission control is relaying any information that they need, and then just wanting to know step-by-step what's happening so they can be able to help the best way that they can. Now, at one point, uh, Mission Control does let the team know that there was a missile that hit a Russian satellite and there was actually debris from it, but it doesn't look like it's going to affect them as of where they are compared to where the Russian satellite was. And at first, Stone is like, well, should we be worried at all? And Matt's like, no, let them worry about that. Because everything, as far as they know, is clear skies. It's just, it's going fine. And plus, Stone is very committed into getting this um, getting this board installed so that I'm assuming they'll probably be able to get some new form of data that maybe they didn't have before, but they didn't get too, too deep into what exactly she was installing. Um, But she said it was something that they were using at the hospital that they were going to be implementing onto the satellite. So I'm guessing it was some pretty, maybe some groundbreaking stuff. Okay, so then after that news, you know, Sharif, he's finished his job. He's having fun just being tethered to the satellite and being able to kind of, you know, jump back and move around and float. He's enjoying himself. Stone, for the most part, she's doing fine. Um, other than, you know, this is her first mission, so she's feeling nauseous and all of that, but nothing too serious or nothing that requires medical attention. And Matt, he's done this. Plenty of times before, so this is definitely not his first rodeo. Now, everything's going smooth until they get another message from mission control that actually becomes more urgent and way more serious. And they basically let them know that whenever that Russian satellite started to create debris, it actually ended up hitting other satellites that they had as well which these are, I'm assuming the U.S. satellites, because every, um, I guess, different countries, they have their own type of satellites in space where they can be able to to record their own data. And so um, the U.S. has multiple satellites set up in space and Russia and then China, they have some. And so what happens is the debris from the Russian satellite ends up hitting and knocking out most of the us satellites and then it ends up showing that new debris is actually on the same path of where dr stone matt and sharif is at so mission control gives them instructions that they need to abort their mission go back to the explorer and pretty much try to come back to earth because this like this is this is a dangerous situation at this point now stone is determined to get the board to work and matt tells her like hey We stop what you're doing. We need to start, you know, detaching, getting into the explorer. But at first she's thinking, well, the board's initializing. I can't do that. I can't just stop it. And he's like, hey, when I tell you and give you an order to do something, I'm gonna need you to do it because it's literally for our own good. He doesn't say it like that, but basically saying this is urgent. We, when they say wrap it up, we need to wrap it up. And so she eventually tries to do that. And then Sharif is still kind of where he is and he's tethered higher up on the satellite than where Matt and Dr. Stone was. So, you know, everything is happening really fast. And at one point when Dr. Stone is wrapping everything up, and mind you, this feels like this is maybe happening within seconds, very short of minutes, that when she wraps everything up she tries to detach from the arm that she is attached to while she was working on this board and she isn't able to do it in time and then all this debris comes it begins to hit the satellite it makes the arm that she's on disattach and pretty much a whole bu- a whole bunch of chaos ensues and it's obvious from the bat that Sharif I believe he got hit So that's not good news for him. But Matt, who was on the jetpack, is able to kind of maneuver and get away from it, even though he is trying to stay in contact with Stone to make sure that she's okay, figure out where she is, get her location. And he does end up getting her location because at one point she detaches from the arm that she was on. Because it detached from or it broke off from the satellite. And when she did that, she ended up floating just into space and she was spinning around and she didn't know where she was. She couldn't, you know, there's not much in space that you can kind of really grasp onto or say hey this is where my location is I'm by this rock or I'm by this tree or I see this mountain or there's this lake. you know there's not landmarks that you can pinpoint <laughs> in space really and so eventually Matt does find Stone he ends up attaching her to him and then Basically, their mission is to get to China's satellite so that they can try to return back to Earth because theirs is pretty much busted because of how damaged it is. So if they can just get into theirs just so they're able to get to China's then they'll be good because actually what ends up happening is the satellite, the position of it changes once it became damaged and a bunch of debris hit it. So they're having to travel to get to the satellite from where it's at. Then from there, try to get to China satellite, which technically is not that far from them because theirs is in better shape. So they can be able to use that one to get back to Earth. This movie is so, so, so intense. And um, this one actually has a very small cast. Um, so we have Sandra Bullock, who plays Dr. Ryan Stone. I talked about her in Permonition. She was also in the movie Speed and Miss Congeniality. We have George Clooney, who plays Matt Kowalski. He was also in Michael Clayton and Up in the Air. And then we have Ed Harris, even though we don't see him, but we do hear his voice in the beginning of the movie. And he was also in Apollo 13 and the Truman Show. Ah, This this movie is so intense, but it it was very beautifully done cinematically. Um, Just the way that they played with sound. The fact, I mean, they were literally in space the whole time. We were never in, we never went back to earth. Pretty much the majority of this movie. This movie is only 90 something minutes. We're in space for... (laughs) We're in space for a good hour and maybe 27 minutes, which is literally the whole movie. We're not on Earth. And so it's a different kind of experience when you watch this movie because other space movies, you at least get to see them on Earth before they go to space. Or even if they go to space, we get to see them return to Earth or just whichever way it works. But there's that balance. And this one, we don't get that balance. So that's why it makes it very unique. Now, let's go ahead and get into some behind-the-scenes information. So, because of Alfonso, who is the director, has such lengthy takes, Sandra Bullock had to memorize long combinations of precise movements to hit her marks at different points in the shot. She often had to coordinate her own moves with those of the wire rig attached to her in the camera. Because she's floating most of the time... Well, not all of the time. I mean, I'm pretty sure she was on that wire rig a lot. And it's just so crazy how they can mimic space and make it look like these actors and actresses are in space the whole time. Man, CGI has really, really changed the game in film and the places that we can go that we can create. It's insane. All right, um, so we're on behind the scenes information, which is also our fun facts. So we just did the first one. So our second one we have is when the script was finalized, Alfonso assumed it would take about a year to complete the film, but it took four and a half years. I can imagine how intricate it was to film this, to create the marks, to try to figure out how to make this illusion seem like the real deal because there's so many just specific things of how things looked in space, how you moved in space, how how you've talked, how you talked in space. I mean, there's so many details and stuff you got to work out. So that makes total sense why it took a, a while. The third fun fact that we have is gravity was more expensive than the real Indian Mars orbiter mission, also known as Mangalon. I'm probably butchering that, but... Um, yeah, there was actually a real mission that they did uh, going to Mars. And <laughs> this movie actually ended up being way more expensive, which that's actually really crazy to think about that it was more expensive to do a movie than to go to space. All right. And so the budget of gravity was $100 million estimated um, against the $74 million budget for the mission. That's crazy. All right. And then the the fourth final fun fact, Tim Weber stated that 80% of the movie consisted of CG compared to Avatar, which was only 60% CG. And that's even crazier because Avatar was a whole, was like a whole deal where, you know, that's what you expected from the movie because Just how cinematically beautiful it was um, and just the locations that they were in, you know, and the fact that gravity had way more CGI than Avatar is crazy. All right. So let's get into the second movie we have here. Lights, camera, action. You go up there, you see the whole universe and everything here looks so small. That quote is by Lucy Cola. And the next movie we're going to be talking about is Lucy in the Sky. Now, it was released October 4th, 2019. But when I tried to look for Showtimes, they were non-existent. I don't know if it had a very limited release, but it must have been very, very limited because this was actually the same day that Joker was released. So... I don't know if they didn't want to compete with it or they didn't think it could compete with it. But um, I have my own thoughts I'm going to give about this movie, but I'm just going to go through the basics. I'm going to go through the basics first and then get into that. So we have um, writers, Brian C. Brown, who um, did some episodes for Legion, the show. Uh, We have Elliot. Last name starts with a D. They did Space age rum runners of the wrong 20s then we have Noah Hawley who actually wrote um Fargo was a writer for Fargo and he's actually the director of this movie and he also directed episodes um in the show Legion and Fargo and Fargo the show that's one of the shows he that's one of the shows he wrote for as well All right, let's get into the summary that we have here. So Lucy Cola just finished a successful mission and has returned to her life feeling a bit off. Now she's actually getting reacquainted with her family while adjusting to being back on earth. Now she has to go through therapy, you know, to make sure that she's okay mentally, but she's actually putting up a front, letting everyone know that she's fine But really, after she went to space and got to see all of Earth, it changed something in her. So she actually begins to start training and to be able to qualify for another upcoming mission. But she has competition with another colleague named Aaron. And then she also develops an intimate relationship with another colleague named Mark, even though she is married to someone who she works with as well. And his name is Drew Cola. And so Lucy, who she is, is she's an overachiever. She's a perfectionist. And she puts a lot of pressure on herself to be great. And everyone can kind of get her worth ethic. And they they know how she is. So as she trains to be qualified to go on to this next mission, she also begins to lose touch with reality. As nothing looks the same anymore, feels the same anymore. She just... Something is different within her. And then when the intimate relationship that she has fizzles out, she realizes that he actually may be dating Aaron, who's her competitor. And this is when Lucy really begins to falter and lose touch with her sanity. And let me go into the cast before I get into my thoughts. Okay, so we have Natalie Portman, who plays Lucy Cola. I talked about her in the movie Black Swan, which is one of my favorite movies. And she's also known for V for Vendetta. We have John Hamm, who plays Mark Goodwin. He was in the Mad Men series and Baby Driver. We have Zazie Beetz, who plays Aaron Eccles. She was in Deadpool 2 and Joker. So she actually had two movies releasing on the same day, which is pretty crazy. Then we have Dan Stevens, who plays Drew Cola. He was in the live action Beauty and the Beast and The Guest. We have Pearl Amanda Dickinson, who plays Blue Iris. She was in The Legion Show. We have Ellen Burstein, who plays Nana Holbrook. She was in Requiem for a Dream and The Exorcist, the original one. We have Coleman Domingo, who plays Frank Paxton. He was in Fear of the Walking Dead and Lincoln. And then last but not least, we have Jennifer Donovan, who plays Jim Hunt. He was in the show Burn Notice and Hitch. All right, let's dive into my notes here. This was a movie I was so, 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 so excited for. Because the concept to me of someone unraveling and losing touch with reality. Then we have the element of her being an astronaut. And then John Hamm was in this movie. Natalie Portman was in this movie. I was super excited about it. And I've been wanting to watch it for a while, but it was one of those things that it didn't come out to movies. So it's always been in the back of my mind, but I just never initially watched it. And so the space episode came around and I said, well, this is a perfect time for me to sit down and take the time to watch it. And then also talk about it because I had such high hopes. Now, Another side note, anytime I talk about movies on this podcast, sometimes I do watch movies that I'm seeing for the first time. And the main goal of mine is that every movie I talk about, it's a movie that I enjoy and that I like. And I don't really get into analyzing movies or saying, hey, this is a movie. This is what they should have did better. uh, So on and so forth. My main goal is to just say, hey, Here's these different movies that I slip into these different themes. I enjoy them. Let me tell you what they're about, who's in it, you know, some fun facts about it. And then also some commentary if I do have some extensive commentary to say about it. And, and at the end of the day, everyone has that option. From the summary, the way I summarized it, to be honest, I would want to go see it. When I saw the trailer, I wanted to see it. But I will be honest with you. Now, keep in mind, just because I'm maybe not a fan of a movie doesn't mean that you won't like it. So you may hear what I'm talking about and be like, I still want to check it out. And I do recommend that because everyone has different tastes, different flavors in the movies that they watch. And they may look at it and see brilliance. They may see what was so great about it. Um, But for me and going into my commentary, I feel like the movie missed the mark to me. Slow build up. But the buildup was actually flat. You know, normally you get like, okay, you have situation after situation that shows this person unraveling. And to me, it just kind of felt like, okay, it's almost like you have this roll of toilet paper. And, you know, as you use sheet after sheet, it's the toilet paper is becoming smaller and smaller until obviously there's no toilet paper and you just have... And then you just have the cardboard roll, right? And to me, it was almost like we just kind of had like a little bit of toilet paper left and it just wasn't no suspense. That's probably not the best analogy, but the suspense to me was falling flat. I didn't feel like there was a proper build up that we were truly seeing her just unraveling and losing her mind. And the plot, it seemed very promising, Um, but to me, it just, it didn't have anything interesting and it did leave you with the thought or while I was thinking in the movie, I'm thinking, when is it going to get to the good part? What's gonna be brilliant about this movie? What's going to be an awe-inspiring moment? What is going to be just so revealing or when am I going to get hyped to know what's going to be happening next. And I didn't get that moment literally anytime during the film. It just kind of was one note. There was no ups and downs. To me, it just felt kind of like one note that it seemed like it was going to get somewhere. And then when we got there, the climax was very, very lackluster and kind of just seemed out of place and just seemed like maybe we were dealing with, I I, I don't want to say it was multiple plots. It was, two main plot well actually there's like three well of course you have the main plot her just coming back from space and then we had two subplots which was her trying to get on another mission and then her building the relationship with a colleague but in some weird way it just missed the mark it didn't it it wasn't cohesive together it just seemed like they were kind of separate but like they didn't blend together right and I don't know what that was about then also uh as far as just the actual filming of it the aspect ratio was changing in the film which was different but to me it didn't give enough explanation within the scenes to explain or to give away why it was maybe maybe doing that and then also there was literally like this blurry border on the screen majority of the time which I can chop that up to basically showing how her mind was like muddled and she couldn't focus on one particular thing she was always thinking of different things and everything that was just like really small but to her it was highlighted in her mind and then just kind of a little spoiler the blurry border becomes like more closed in but then it's just to me it it wasn't like a payoff like it just didn't pay off and it was really annoying because i i want to look at a clear screen i already have uh problems with my vision i don't want to look at a movie that looks like it's blurry in, in certain points because i'm thinking to myself Is that my eyes or is that the screen? And I'm like, I know I can, when I watch movies, it does not look blurry to me, even though my vision's not the best, but I don't know. It's weird. It doesn't look blurry. I can watch a movie and see everything on it and not have any issues. So I did not like that. I love Natalie's acting. I thought she carried the movie for what it was. Um, I thought she was good. Um, It was just in this case, to me, the material just wasn't the best. then also you had zaz i hope i'm saying her name right zazie i'm saying zazie but to me like i've seen her in a couple of things and i haven't seen her really kind of break out or like become this drama actress or become this action movie actress like there hasn't been anything that she's been in that has really stood out because to be honest with you i root for her i root for her heart like I wanted her to be like an amazing upcoming actress of color. But I to me, she just kind of falls flat. She doesn't really bring anything to the screen. Um, and I feel like she kind of just plays the same role, same type of temperament. It doesn't really change with her. And then John Hamm, which I root for John Hamm because I absolutely love him. Because in the Mad Men series, he was delectable. He was amazing. But after that series, he went into doing feature films. And my issue with him is because of what he did in Mad Men, he has the potential to be a leading man in a movie. And I feel like all of, not all, but the feature films that I have seen him in, which was this one, it was Bad Times at El Royale. And I thought that movie was going to be good and it didn't turn out good. And he also did this one movie um, called Marjorie Prime. I didn't even finish it. I want to finish it. But his acting roles that he chooses misses the mark. It's either a character that doesn't make sense for him to play or he's in a movie where the material is just not good. And it's funny because I literally, I have this script idea and literally (laughs) I don't want to give it away I can't tell you my scripts because maybe someone will hear it and then be like oh my god I'll actually write that script but I just have this idea for him that I'm like oh my god he would be so good in a movie like this and because I just feel like I don't know who his casting agent is you know I don't know what movies he's had come across his desk but oh I just, I love him. I, he is super talented. It's just the roles and the material that he picks is the worst. He does not know how to pick something that would be perfect for him. And mind you, I'm just talking about this movie because it was kind of in the final choice. And I'm going to be honest with you of just the different elements and things that I did not like about this movie because there wasn't anything that I could find that I did like other than Natalie Portman. And the rest was just promising, had potential, but just fell completely flat onto the floor. And it, it didn't, I didn't get any takeaway. I didn't get any emotion for the characters. You know, you just, it makes you not care about the characters. And that's not the game I'm in. I'm not here to bash movies and critique them. Now I may comment on the story and that's because, More than likely, I like the story. So I'm treating it almost like as if these are real people and I'm commenting on their situations, on what they went through, maybe the character flaws, just stuff like that, because I enjoy the movie and I can get into that. But this is literally just one of probably the few times you're going to see me actually critiquing a movie. But um, this director, this was actually his debut and... uh, I mean, it's awesome because, you know, that's a dream, you know, to do your first feature film and it for people to receive it and for it to do well. But this movie, it didn't. It, it didn't do good at all. Um, but let's go ahead and get into some um, fun facts. Actually, before we do that, one other note in regards to John Hamm. I think he needs to get into playing... Or finding uh, characters that can show his vulnerability. Also, more complex. I I think he would do better in drama. Oh, he was also in the movie Tagged. That scene of men. And it's just, the choices are just, I don't, I don't, like, I don't understand his choices. I don't know if it's limited choices. But he just has the potential to be a leading man that is worthy of being nominated for an Academy Award. I just see the potential in him, especially what he did in Mad Men. And I just, I really hate that he's not found a role that's really made him shine in a feature film, not a show, in a feature film. And oh, I'm like, I want to help you. Let me read through some of your material and see, because like, I bet you I could pick an awesome movie for him to be in that would complement his talent because I don't know who he's consulting with. I don't know if it's just him. Maybe he's his own. Uh, he's his own manager. I- I'm not sure. But man, you just have so much talent. And 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 the movie like this movie was a movie that oh my god could have potentially been great and had him in it. But it just it, he does not choose things that showcase his talent that complement his talent and it's so weird because you have so many actors who they have movies that are hit and miss but literally (laughs) I mean his (laughs) movies just seem to be big misses and just don't make sense but I digress. So we'll get into some of the fun facts here. Um, Reese Witherspoon was actually replacing Natalie Portman in the lead role, but she had dropped out to focus on season two of Big Little Lies, which I guess kind of worked for her because this movie didn't do well. Um, so then Portman ended up returning to the role. Um, The second fun fact we have is this movie is actually loosely based on the story of U.S. Navy officer and NASA astronaut Lisa Nowak. Okay, I don't ever remember hearing about this, but Lisa got caught up in a love triangle and she had ended up confronting a woman who I believe she worked at NASA as well because she thought she was seeing her ex-boyfriend and it was apparently a whole ordeal because she was crazy enough to want to travel to where that girl was that she wore a diaper so she didn't have to do any stops like she was super determined and she was you know in the mindset of hurting this woman because she felt she was seeing someone that she wanted to be with And I'm assuming if he was already talking to someone else that maybe they weren't even together and maybe she was still wanting to confront her or feeling like she was the reason why they couldn't be together. That's a crazy story. And this movie (laughs) and see, that's the thing they took that situation and then they wanted to build a story around it. But to me, it didn't work. It, It didn't, it didn't work. It didn't work. Um, I feel like if they would have just took that concept and really played with it or played it up of her losing her sanity after this mission or maybe almost getting to the point where she was going to do the other mission and then stuff just hits the fan, it would have made more sense. But I think because they were trying to build it around that love triangle that it didn't, we didn't get no payoff because you lost your mind over a guy more than your love for space travel and being an astronaut that like trumped it all and just uh. and then the third uh, fun fact we have is the title of the movie is a nod to the Beatles song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds which is funny because when I first told my mom about this movie she started singing that song Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds I've never even heard of that song before Um, But they actually did a rendition of it in this movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay, and so then the uh, fourth and final fun fact that we have is they originally were going to name this movie Pale Blue Dot. Um, This name actually addresses a famous narration made by Carl Sagan after a photo of planet Earth taken on February 14th, 1990 by a space probe, um, where it basically was showing Earth had looked like a small blue dot in the middle of a ray of sun and (laughs) I'm glad they chose Lucy in the sky but unfortunately it did not save this movie at all and I was just really rooting for this movie and I was disappointed but at the end of the day you can certainly check out the movie for yourself and maybe you may like it you may find some things in it that you did enjoy but this is definitely a suggestion and if you're into this genre this is a movie that is out there for for you to potentially watch but uh yeah that is it for this episode um so make sure to comment below if you plan on seeing these movies or if you have give your thoughts below. Um, If you have any other behind the scenes information, don't be afraid to share that. Or if you have any corrections and before I head out, I want to thank my listeners. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. You're a real one period. And if you're a new listener, well, thank you so much for stopping by and giving my podcast a chance. Don't forget to follow my social media where you will get information about upcoming episodes. Well, you know what time it is. The show is over, the credits are rolling, and I'll see you at the next showtime.